Al Jazeera podcast. I think that years of geographical and political distance have not separated the West Bank from Gaza. The occupied West Bank is less than 100 kilometers away from Gaza. But it's almost impossible to travel between the two places, which means for Palestinians, they're physically cut off despite their shared realities. People are connected by blood and pain. Rania Zabane has been watching the war on Gaza unfold as she covers the West Bank for Al Jazeera. It's been an emotional roller coaster. The events are unfolding quickly. First, we were surprised, shocked, scared, and now I think angry. And while world media may be focused now on the Israeli bombardment of Gaza, violence this year in the West Bank has reached levels not seen in a generation. And now it's escalating further. Israeli forces killing several Palestinians as thousands protest across the occupied West Bank in support of Gaza. As residents of the West Bank demonstrate in support of Gaza, the Israeli military has met them with lethal force, and settlers in the area have intensified their attacks against Palestinian villagers. So where will this lead? I'm Malika Bilal, and this is The Take. We're speaking today with some of Al Jazeera's team in the West Bank. Hi, my name's Imran Khan. I'm senior correspondent. I'm currently in Ramallah in the occupied West Bank. I'm Rania Zabane, and I'm Al Jazeera English producer in the occupied West Bank. As the war in Gaza has unfolded, they've been covering events here, which have included an Israeli military lockdown of the population. In Ramallah, there's a real sense of nervousness. There's a real sense of people actually being scared. Now, Ramallah um, is the de facto capital, if you were, of the occupied West Bank. It's the place where people from other territories and Palestinian territories come to to go shopping, to hang out with friends. It's, it's you know, a, a kind of a, a safe space within the occupied West Bank. Um, but it's not that right now. Um, it's empty, the streets are empty, the shops aren't as busy as normal, people are scared. And the reason for that is that, that the occupied West Bank is actually under a blockade right now. It's normally incredibly difficult for Palestinians to actually get around the occupied West Bank. There's only a certain amount of roads they can use. They can't go to certain places because of the Israeli illegal settlements uh, and the Israeli military checkpoints. This is Kalandia, the main entry point in and out of Jerusalem from Ramallah. There's always heavy traffic and people are fed up. Many Palestinians have told us these measures make them feel suffocated and trapped. So it's always been difficult for Palestinians to move around, but now it's pretty much impossible. Israel has blocked travel routes inside the occupied West Bank. Much of the occupied West Bank has been locked down by Israeli forces in the weeks since Hamas launched its military operation. You can't get from the occupied West Bank, if you're Palestinian, into Israeli territory, um, into Israel proper. Even if you have the right permits and you're allowed, the checkpoints are simply closed. The, the West Bank is under effective blockade. But more than that, 
the West Bank is under an internal blockade as well. Palestinian towns and villages have been cut off from each other. Um, the Israelis aren't allowing people to move from, say, Bethlehem uh, to Ramallah, a journey of only tens of kilometers, not even that. They won't let you move. Hundreds of checkpoints have been closed by the Israeli military. That means Palestinians can't visit family or friends and can't get to work. And it makes protests difficult. And if they do happen, the Israeli military is also responding to demonstrators in the West Bank with live fire. People are caged in. Movement is severely restricted. And the demonstrations that have been planned by Palestinians near Israeli checkpoints are being met with more brutality. Just in the past week, almost 60 Palestinians have been killed. And a blockade on the roads has been accompanied by an increase in military raids. Israel's increased its raids. Over 460 people um, have been arrested since the Operation Al-Aqsa floods by Hamas began on October 7th. More than 55 Palestinians uh, have been killed since October 7th. Palestinians are incredibly worried about settler revenge, settler of vengeance um, against the Palestinians. There are 450,000 ideological settlers living in the occupied West Bank. Settlers who are often armed themselves, whether that's private security or carrying around guns. Israel's National Security Minister, Ben Gavir, says he wants more guns on the streets. And in fact, he's already instructed the Firearms Licensing Department to increase those new permits from 2,000 to 10,000 a month. Gun culture for them is a part of their lives, as, say, gun culture is in parts of America, for example. Guns and self-defense is one of their um, ideologies. Even for journalists used to covering war, the last 10 days have been unprecedented. The West Bank has been under Israeli military occupation since 1967. But recent years have seen an emboldened Israeli settler movement increasingly attacking Palestinians, Imran says. They've actually been killing Palestinians, uh, unarmed Palestinians. And people are very worried that if they decide to do that en masse, that there'll be a third front in the West Bank. So the Israeli settlers decide that they want to go out and attack Palestinians en masse everywhere they can find them. The Israeli army will take the side of the settlers, as we've seen in the past, as we've seen uh, the Israeli army do. It's, you know, it's what they do. They're occupying force. They're not there to help the Palestinians in any way. The past year has seen the worst Israeli settler violence against Palestinians in the West Bank in decades, as well as Israeli military violence. Last year was the bloodiest in two decades. Um, This year so far is proving even worse. More than 250 Palestinians have been killed in the occupied West Bank by Israeli forces and settlers. Uh, And there are still two months to go for 2023. The stated goal of the settlers is often to drive Palestinian villagers from their land. And the settler movement has high-profile allies in the Israeli government, like Itamar Ben-Gavir, Minister of National Security. 
he's actually a senior settler leader and his support base is the settlers and if he starts telling his settlers to take revenge on Palestinian people they will and he said it in the past he's openly far-right and racist he's best known for calling for the killing of Palestinians and the rallying cry death to Arabs he's led far-right Zionist mobs in Sheikh Jarrah where residents were harassed attacked and evicted he said in the past in very clear terms the Palestinians should be erased from the occupied West Bank, Judea and Samaria, as he calls it. They should not be here. And from what Rania says, the outcome of statements like Ben Gavir's has been clear for a long time. The daily violence here never really stopped. Occupation goes on even when people are not watching. The land grab, settler attacks, raids, assaults, checkpoints, arrests. The list is so long. All that becoming routine doesn't make it normal. Israeli settler attacks have been on the rise even before the outburst of violence erupted. More than 800 since January. That's three settler attacks every day. The UN says it's highest average daily attacks since they started documenting this some 10, 15 years ago. The attacks are becoming more brazen and more frequent. Settlers feel empowered by the lack of accountability. First was the graffiti, the uprooting of trees, pelting cars with rocks and beating people with rods and what have you, then burning cars and homes. So why not shoot Palestinians? Nobody's being held accountable anyways. It's no secret that the end goal is clear. Leave or you'll get killed. Ultimately, though, I think the biggest worry um, is People in the occupied West Bank are watching the news, like us all. They're watching the news, and they're, but they're watching it not like you or I for the news. They're watching it because, firstly, you know, a lot of people have got family connections in Gaza. A lot of people have friends in Gaza. But it's also Palestinian territory. They're also, the people of Gaza are Palestinians. So there's an affinity there. And so they're watching it, and they're looking at all these pictures. And not only is that upsetting them, but they're also incredibly concerned that they could be next. After the break, the generational divide, how it's impacting politics in the West Bank and the different tactics in their fight. On the Inside Story podcast, we're discussing whether Israel has breached the laws of war in its attacks on Gaza and who would hold anyone responsible to account. Listen and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Imran Khan is in Ramallah for Al Jazeera, and he's been speaking to people in the occupied West Bank about what they expect might happen next. But he says it's hard for people to look too far ahead. I think no one's really looking past the next few days. Everybody is focused on the now rather than the future. And the now is supporting uh, people in Gaza as much as they can. The now is about making sure that their voices are heard. And remember, the younger generation in particular, this is the TikTok generation. This is the social media generation. So they're using all those tools at their disposal to, you know, ask for messages of solidarity, talk about Israeli human rights abuses, talk about Israeli brutality within the occupied West Bank. And I want to tell you in front of everyone, don't you dare think, Netanyahu, that you've made Gaza weaker. Gaza, every time you hit them, 
they get stronger, and hit us will stay resilient. And that's in connection with Palestinians in the diaspora, like Subhi, a social media influencer with more than a million followers online. We can win this. We can affect change at a grand scale on social media. I've worked through the branding development and strategy and am officially presenting the I Stand with Palestine campaign. This is how we are going to collectively be able to push the Palestinian cause on social media. This is their way of fighting back and this is getting the Palestinian message across. You know, nothing happens in a vacuum, they tell me. After 75 years of occupation, nothing happens in a vacuum and that needs to be, you know, highlighted that, you know, this didn't come from nowhere. Hamas suddenly didn't break out of Gaza and do what they did. You know, there is a history to this. Part of that history is a political divorce between Hamas, which runs Gaza, and the Palestinian Authority, which administers the West Bank. The PA is dominated by Fatah, the party of Palestinian President Mahmoud Abbas. And the PA itself has been in disarray as Abbas ages and foreign backers have cut off aid. The PA, although not irrelevant, is um, stuck between a rock and a hard place. The Palestinian Authority is still the go-to for the international community. It's still the legitimate representative of the Palestinian people. Uh, And as such, um, they are the organization that everybody has to and does speak to. But the PA don't have any relations with Hamas. They don't have any influence over Hamas. They don't talk to Hamas. And they certainly don't talk to the Israelis. So the strategy of the Palestinian Authority, of the President Mahmoud Abbas, has been to reach out to the international community and to talk about humanitarian corridors, condemn the conflict, condemn what the Israelis are doing. And that's all he can do. He's had conversations with uh, the Saudis at the senior level. He's had conversations with Joe Biden, the US president. He's had conversations with all of the international community and the message has always been the same but there's been no breakthrough there's been no real thing that he can point to and say i did that because everybody is pretty much focused on the israelis right now the french and the germans and the us have clearly backed israel so his voice is being lost having said all of that You know, Abbas does have one card to play, um, and that is making sure um, that the Palestinian Authority, when it comes to a ceasefire, when it comes to the future of Gaza, has a bigger say in how Gaza runs. So his his bigger role will come post all of this, because it's unlikely that Hamas will survive this Israeli attack on the Gaza Strip as a ruling power. But that's such a long way away that it's, you know, I'm looking to, you're looking into a crystal ball if you're trying to predict exactly what's going to happen. Rania agrees, but she's willing to make at least one prediction. No one saw this coming, and I bet you nobody knows how this is going to end. But the fear is that Israel, with some superpowers, see a chance in this to settle to impose an end game 
that doesn't meet Palestinian aspiration, obviously. So no statehood, no self-determination, no freedom, no nothing for Palestinians. And that's The Take. While we're continuing our coverage on the occupied West Bank, Gaza, and Israel, here's another story that's on our radar this week. In Poland, the former Prime Minister Donald Tusk is on track to beat the current right-wing government following Sunday's election. Tusk's party, the Civic Coalition, has campaigned on undoing the ruling party's reforms and holding its leaders accountable. Officials say turnout was at its highest since 1989. This episode was produced by David Enders and Miranda Lynn, with Khalid Sultan, Sariel Khalili, Sonia Bagat, Amy Walters, Ashish Malhotra, Veronisa Campana, Zaina Badr, Chloe K. Lee, and me, Malika Bilal. Alex Roldan is our sound designer. Alexandra Locke is The Take's executive producer, and Ney Alvarez is Al Jazeera's head of audio. We'll be back.